down to 100 days left until the Penn State football season is upon us. And the Nittany Lion talk never stops here in the Lions 24-7 podcast. It's Andrew Callahan and Sean Fitz, as always, uh, coming to you after a mini junior day as recruiting is now going to slow for the next couple of weeks until camp start at the beginning of June. Uh, but back on Saturday when they had about six or seven kids on campus, I was there and you were not, which is a change-up for us. Uh, but, of course, since that time, you've gotten a load of info on how that went for those six or seven kids. Yeah, getting your feet wet in recruiting. It's its loads of fun to cover, I bet. Well, and the camera in my hands is, is a pretty natural thing for me, I like to think. I don't get to do it very often, but the gallery was okay. More, more so, I'll say, for the, the, the autograph signing that the team had versus the, the recruits. Yeah, it was a good event. Uh, the baseball team didn't really hold up their end of the bargain. but uh, 21 to 3. 21 to 3 is tough. But, uh, yeah, it's a good event for, for Penn State. I, I think you're going to see this going forward uh there's kind of a gap in there between the blue white game in april and camp season in june so mm-hmm. to get these guys back on campus in may and to have a reason for them to come up is good uh very uh concentrated uh group of recruits on campus probably only about 10 or 12 but you know six or seven of them legit targets with with big time offers especially from penn state so uh, going through the list uh I'm going to start with P.J. Mustafer. He's a guy trending on the 24-7 sports crystal ball right now. Had another great visit. This is a guy that a lot of people had locked into Notre Dame, but the, there were windows there, and Penn State took one of those windows. We talked about it on the podcast last week that they had an opportunity to make some noise, and, and I, I really think this one's trending in Penn State's direction. Would be a huge pickup, um, 6'4", 285, 290, depending if it's wrestling season for him. He's a state champ wrestler down in Maryland as well. Would you love um, to see that too at that position? Especially at that position, yeah. I mean, the working leverage is, is so underrated by some of these guys. Some of these guys are just big bullies pushing guys around. But, uh, you know, when you can get leverage, when you can get guys off their feet and get up under them, I, you know, you've got a chance to be a really productive guy. Um Mustafer, good football player, good football family. His older brother Sam's a starting center at Notre Dame, which I think is a lot of why a lot of people had him pegged there. Mm-hmm. But Penn State made a, a, another really good impression. I put my crystal ball pick in uh, a, a little bit later than some other people, but uh, <laughs> yeah, this is one that we're hearing trending in Penn State. And I think that's really positive news for for a group that struggled at defensive tackle recruiting over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, they've gotten players and they've they've manufactured players as well, but uh, as far as blue chippers go, uh, you know, they haven't really been up there. PJ, top 100, top 150. I'm not sure where he's rating exactly right now in the composite rankings, but he's a guy that's up there. He's been a guy that's been a top target from the start, and if they can you know, secure his commitment, I think it could go a long way in this class. Uh, another guy that I put in a 24-7 sports crystal ball pick for, TJ Bradley, uh, junior college lineman out of Lackawanna, which they have a great relationship with those guys up there in Scranton. Yep. Brought in Paris Palmer a couple of years ago. TJ Bradley is a 3-for-3 three three guy, uh, January guy. Big, beautiful kid. I mean, he's, he's upwards of 6'8", 290. Uh, got a lot of room to uh, work with a college strength program. You'd like to see a, a, a redshirt year available with him, but it's really not possible. He's still pretty raw, so I don't think he's a guy that comes in and, and plays right away. Mm-hmm. But, man, there's a lot to work with there. He's an athletic kid. Um, you know, he can move, he can move really well. He's, he's just, uh, a, a pretty good package for what you're looking for. And, and Matt Limegrove, I know you've talked to Matt uh, a couple times, loves those big kids. Uh, you look at yes. the size of the Penn State offensive line right now compared to, compared to two or three, or even last year with Brian Guy at center. I was it's just say, night and day. Not only even at center, but you look at Steven Gonzalez now at left guard, he's upwards to like 340. Officially listed, I think 339. Chaz Wright on the, at right tackle pushing 350. And that was something we heard when he stepped into right guard, you know, with 
injuries mid last year is that you just you can't teach that size and girth obviously but it also is just something when you're game planning for there's no there's no physically or literally getting around you right like you just have to deal with all that power and you, and you put right out there at right tackle and and you know he's maybe not the fleetest foot guy but getting around him is a chore in itself and I think they feel the kind of the same way about Sterling Jenkins still uh, struggles to move guys in the run game mm-hmm. but when you take that kick step back there I mean you've got an, uh, a run an extra couple feet to get around him and that can be the difference uh, especially with a guy like Trace McSorley that can move around or Tommy Stevens that can move around that can be the difference in, in getting that ball down the field. Now a couple other kids who were the first that I saw at this event uh, really caught my eye. Uh, Darian Dalcourt was one and he was up with uh, Yami Anoma Anoma, a top 50 guy per composite right now. Dalcourt's not had a whole lot of, uh, you know, hype because he's, he's not ranked on the site, but he's had a lot of interest when you look at high-profile programs, including Penn State. Yeah, yeah. Dalcourt, uh, five offers, and two of those are Penn State and Michigan. I mean, to, to, in your first five offers, if you have those, it's <laughs> saying something. Now, Michigan with, with Biff Pogge, who is going to be the head coach at St. Francis, having that connection is a big deal with them. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I mean, this is a kid that you've identified early as a potential uh, maybe guard tackle, about 6'4", 290 right now. Um, so it depends. I'm sure he's got a little bit of growing left, but yeah, it's great to get these guys on campus. This is his first trip to Penn State. He was pleasantly surprised, uh, you know, as you read on the site, pleasantly surprised by the atmosphere, the facilities. I think he was expecting a little bit more country, old fashioned type thing. So, and I think that's something that, um, uh, when you get these city kids up, uh, to see Penn State, whether it be Baltimore, DC, Philly, Pittsburgh, you know, they're probably expecting kind of an antiquated program and right. they're sort of moving in the direction of, of some of these other schools that they're seeing with the, you know, the better facilities, the more up-to-date things. And you mentioned Georgia made some changes this week. DJ yeah. Booth in the locker room. Who doesn't need a DJ Booth in the locker room? I'm sure PJ Mullen would be psyched if, if they put a DJ Booth in, <laughs> in, in the Lash building. But uh, yeah. I, you got to get one for the office. Yeah, the office. <laughs> my basement. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, not my mom's basement, but my basement. Oh, upgraded. But, uh, yes. Uh, Yabi Anoma, number two player overall in ESPN rankings. I, I don't think some people realize how high he was uh, going to be. Uh, you know, when we reported he was coming last weekend, it was it was met with, with several cheers as he's a very talented prospect. Um, you know, I think there's a long way to go in his recruitment. We have Alabama on top right now. And I think that the appeal of Alabama is, is obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Penn State, I think has positioned themselves well to get him back on campus. And, and at this point in his recruitment, I think that's, that's really all you can, you can uh, ask for. Christian Armstrong, speaking of huge offensive linemen, 6'5", 330 plus, those huge hands we talked about last week. Uh, you know, he's really high on Penn State's board. And I think, uh, you know, in terms of, um, Schools that could prime away from the South. Penn State is that school. Uh, Florida State's still up there. They're still pushing for him. Still a take at Florida State, which is I think is important when you talk about uh, his prospects to Penn State. Georgia still wants him. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think uh, for Penn State to be even in the mix at all is a big deal. For them to make an impression where he's going to make two uh, trips on his own dime in the spring because right. uh, he was back for a junior day in February, I think speaks volumes for, for his interest level. So. Uh, you know, if there's a guy to, to look at and say, hey, Penn State's got a better shot than logically speaking would make sense. I think Christian Armstrong's that guy. And then Jason Owe, uh, this mm-hmm. a guy we talked about on the podcast last week, flying up the rankings, incredibly athletic kid, very raw at, at you know, at uh, 6'6", uh, 235 plus. 
Um, really, Penn State has got a great opportunity here. His coach uh, played at East Stroudsburg, overlapping careers with James Franklin. He's a little bit, uh, a couple years older than James Franklin. Uh, so tremendous opportunity there. Notre Dame, Ohio State offered recently might slow things down for him. But, you know, another great opportunity to make an impression on Jason Owe. And he's admittedly very, very high on Penn State. And Nick Tarburton was was in town uh, as well. The only commit among that group who visited Saturday for the baseball game at a barbecue. You know, did a variety of things while they were on campus, as you'd expect from uh, mini junior day. And I think that concentration, you know, probably helped Penn State. Obviously, you'd want to have more kids come up. Uh, Jesse Lukita was invited, didn't make the trip. Another commit who has done a great job recruiting other kids. If you're Penn State, looking at your current class, but I think in that you get a lot of individual attention. You know, there's no restrictions on things you want to see, or maybe there's something that comes up. Up, they want to address or, or want to do, you know, you get that. Imagine a college visit where it's just you versus walking in groups throughout campus and, and you're in high school. Um, I, I think that probably benefited in some way. Also with the balance of having a tar burden there to say like, yeah, this is what we're going to do. Come join us like from a prospect commit perspective yeah yeah and the, and this was planned i mean you you wanted a couple of commits on here unfortunately lukita couldn't make his good recruiter uh charlie catcher was also um you know kind of one of those guys they, they thought they could get there zach Koontz had won three district gold medals this weekend in track so he couldn't be there so you'd like to have Some those excuse, guys. You know. yeah definitely <laughs> you'd like to have those guys on, on campus to recruit but you know a small group can give plenty of attention uh and that's something you don't get at those big junior days in in, in february march things like that and you look at Armstrong and Bradley specifically, and we'll get you out on this because this is something that's come up recently, uh, not only with, with people that we interact with regularly on the site, but also just recruiting on the whole for Penn State. Offensive line recruiting right now is doing quite well, not only just in terms of the quantity, uh, but the quality. And it comes to a point where you've got those two, you know, Rashid Walker and a couple other kids where you might be looking at five to six guys offensive linemen in a single class is that something given the talent that they have mutual interest with could be a possibility or just going to have to be stuck at a certain number and it's almost first come first serve well you got to cap yourself at some point but i can see it getting to six which you know at this at the outset of the class we were thinking more like four Mm -hmm. but when you've got the talent level of some of those guys i just think they take so long to develop and there's so many question marks when you talk about offensive line recruiting that you you may have to add an extra one here or there because you look at the 2014 class and Chaz Wright's the only one left over. You look at the 2015 class, they hit on two or three of them so far yeah. and could hit on all four. So it's such a crapshoot that, you know, if you're going to throw in extra numbers at a position, I don't hate it being the offensive line. Okay. That's surprising, but I think it makes sense, like you said, given the recent history and the talent that's coming in. Those will remain question marks for the uh, months to come. Come September, though, we're going to get another answer in the latest edition of Pitt Penn State. And of course, the reason we bring that up is on the site right now, it's Pitt Preview Week. We're breaking down one Penn State opponent per week in the offseason. Last week, of course, was Akron, moving on now to the Panthers. And I think folks are probably a little bit more excited to, to hear about Pitt-Penn State than they were for Akron. Tad bit. Yeah, because yeah, of course, the rivalry would happen last year. And I think when you take your first glimpse at what this game should be like on September 9th, the biggest thing that sticks out to me is that it will be its own unique episode separate from last year. And there are a couple of reasons for that. Namely, one, it's at Beaver Stadium. Very different atmosphere than you'll have at Heinz Field. Great atmosphere a year ago in Steel City, um, but very different for Penn State, obviously, to be at home. And second, you know, since they last saw them, the Panthers have lost a lot up front. And as much as they had a very good game plan in Matt Canada, now to LSU, their offensive coordinator then sprung a couple surprises on Penn State that helped them build a 28-7 lead. 
up front, they really just bullied Penn State. You know, went up and down the field running the ball. Their pass rush got after McSorley a couple of times, had a strip sack. And I think what you'll see this year is a lot of those guys are gone. You know, Dorian Johnson, Anabiz Nawadi up front in the offensive line. Uh, Price is gone. You know, a guy who's an edge defender who gave Brendan Mann some problems in his second game at left tackle. So they're going to need replacements there. Um, and a couple other areas are different, as well as the quarterback. Yeah, also lost a defensive tackle. was kicked off the team. And, and Alex yeah. Bookster, as we saw last week with, you know, the evidence that's out there to, to see him playing in the second game of the season, I think would be would be a bit of a stretch. But it's you don't know. Not going to happen. You don't know how that's going to turn out. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't really see him out there. But yeah, they have a lot to a lot to uh, fill in from last year. Especially Nate Peterman. I don't think he gets enough credit for the job that he did last year. Not not a guy that's going to kill you, but a guy that can can do the things that the little things that he needs to do to get the uh to put points on the board and really hurt you he's yeah not, he's not gonna kill he's you he's not gonna he's, kill you he's gonna jab you with a needle several times uh <laughs> other than, than, than death by a thousand screens exactly exactly and you know they're gonna still have some of those playmakers there quadri henderson that we've yes. talked about numerous times which is a fun little player to watch uh but you know i think penn state will be a little bit better prepared and and really kind of uh, it goes back to what you said winning that battle in the trenches which i think penn state's more suited to do this year Penn State will be better up front, uh, certainly in the offensive line, and perhaps defensively, still a couple question marks there. Uh, Pitt, you know, of course, will be worse, and I think that's where the biggest difference will be. Back to the offensive coordinator, as mentioned, Matt Canada, now down at LSU. Uh, Sean Watson, longtime OC uh, in the business, stops at Colorado. Uh, Nebraska has been at Louisville. Texas was his most recent spot as an OC. So I think there's more tape uh, there. Of course, he's got to tailor whatever he wants to run to uh, the Panthers roster, a roster that Penn State staff is going to be very familiar with. And I think Quadri Henderson really comes in focus there because they've still got some some stable, good running backs, but no one of the caliber of James Conner. And then, you know, you, you can get a handle on Brown from what you saw him do at USC. But beyond that, Henderson's got to be the number one must stop. Yeah, they've done a nice job at running back recruiting. Olsen, I think, is a solid back. But I don't think you're going to get uh, what you got with, with James Conner last year. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think he can be an NFL back or at least play a role for the Steelers where he was drafted. So, yeah. um, you know, it was, it was great. Great story, by the way. But, uh, yeah, I, I think there's there's just so many holes. You don't know what they're going to bring at receiver. And Max Brown is a guy that you and I have talked about at times. You just don't know what you're getting. You know, obviously the highly touted guy, same age as Christian Hackenberg, if that tells you anything. Uh, mm. But uh, highly touted guy who just never panned out at USC. His high school tape, uh, if you go back to it, was a lot of uh, throwing the ball down the field. Uh, not a ton of, uh, of, of refinement to his game. So I, I don't know what you're going to see with Max Brown. Chris Clark, another guy who was highly touted as a tight end, uh, had some issues with his recruitment, went to UCLA, came back to, to the East Coast to pit. So you don't know what those two guys are going to bring. So they, they have talent. I don't think there's any question about that. Yes. But I don't think they've recruited well enough, uh, you know, from from one to eighty five as as Penn State has, and and I think that's probably going to show up on on the second game of the season. Right. Again, it was decent to say an upset couldn't occur in week two. I just think when you're looking at last season, I wouldn't start there as a you know a starting point. Honestly, in terms of what to expect for twenty seventeen, this will be its own game, its own environment, very different elements. Probably similar to Penn State was last year. Yeah, yeah, in certain ways, I think that's definitely with a, with a less uh, a lesser ceiling. Um, yeah, yeah. If you're a Pitt fan, I don't think you can put the entire season on this game. Just like no. I think the, if you're a Penn State fan, you couldn't do so last year. So yeah, and, and it turned out that way. Honestly, and I, I think even this year, you know, this probably isn't top three necessarily in terms of games that are most important emotionally. You know, rivalry. This is the closest they've, they've got. Um, but you know, you look ahead to Michigan, Ohio State, other games mixed in there. Nebraska Senior Day should be huge. Uh, there are a lot more bigger fish to fry later on in the schedule. Now, 
this was a question I had received uh, earlier this week, talking about depth, because of course, as last year went on, depth became a problem for Penn State up front, linebackers got hurt, people came back. But a couple positions this year where that might become an issue. And one of them that I listed, which you know surprised you know myself even a little bit, was wide receiver. And the reason I went with that is, although Chris Godwin was the lone loss in terms of contributors from a year ago, you're looking at four guys at the top, and then there's a little bit of a drop off because the praise we heard for, say, Juwan Johnson, you know, was much, much stronger than we heard from Irv Charles or Brandon Polk, guys who might fill in on that second team. So you're looking at Johnson, Blacknall, DeAndre Tompkins, and Deshaun Hamilton coming back. But of course, we know that they play in essentially a three wide receiver system. So the question now is, you know, okay, the depth is all right. It would take multiple injuries to hurt there. But what do you do with that fourth guy? That's a great question because we saw last year, and I think it kind of t- took a lot of people aback, and including myself, is you trotted three guys out there, and, and unless somebody ran a, a go route where they were running all the way down the field, those guys didn't come out. And y- you're a personnel guy. Can you kind of explain the, the, the reasoning behind that? Well, sure. You mentioned you know Penn State played with three wide receivers you know more than 90% of the time uh, a year ago, and that means they're in 11 personnel, which actually has nothing to do with the wide receivers, that number in regard to uh, tight ends and running backs. So you've got 11, meaning one running back, one tight end. That was Mike Kosicki, of course, another positioning in at tight end. Depth should be better, but still of concern. So, you know, they'll rotate them in. I think you're seeing more cross-training this year, you know, in terms of Hamilton and Tompkins, guys who can play inside as well as outside. Hamilton was pretty much locked into that slot position a year ago. Juwan Johnson's going to be an X. So could Blacknell, though, in terms of a bigger target who can win one more, uh, one-on-one battles, excuse me, and then also stretch the field vertically. So I think... What you'll see perhaps a little bit more this year, again, this is more, you know, reaching out into guest territory, but some 10 personnel. Again, you've got one running back, zero tight ends, and then you would deploy these four wideouts. Now, would you want to take Mike Kosicki out? And that's a tougher question because I think you could make the argument that he's a better target than any four of the guys in terms of, you know, certainly short, intermediate, and sometimes deeper down the field. Yeah, yeah, and you, you can line Jasicki up all over the field. I don't think that's a, that's a big question. For when you're going to 10 or 11, I don't think it's really going to matter in the big picture because Jasicki's such a great receiver. But I, I think what it comes down to when you're talking about this is is that Hamilton and Tompkins are are, are versatile guys. I think Hamilton's going to have a bounce back year. I know it's, it's not a very popular opinion for a lot of people that saw him drop some passes last year, mm-hmm. but I think he's going to have a bounce back year, and I think a lot of that can come on the outside. Um, well, com- also speaking to him before we go on, all you have to look at is the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. I mean, he had the most catches out of anyone and had a huge impact against one of the better secondaries that they saw all season. Right, and this is what we heard about Kosicki last year, is that he dropped some passes, so he, he can't drop back. He, he's not going to improve. So uh, what it comes down to is, is Black now healthy. Um, if he's healthy, is it him or Juwan Johnson who had the great spring? Uh, do you put Tompkins and, and Hamilton on the other side or in the slot or whatnot? So the good news is you've got options. The bad news is you've got options. So uh, <laughs> coming down to it, I think I think Blacknell can be that guy. Uh, they were expecting a breakout spring from him. Got hurt early. Of course, didn't didn't participate in the blue white game. Juwan Johnson was the 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 guy that benefited that from that the most. So I I just don't know. I'm I'm torn. Uh, we did on our draft a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't sure which one to take, so I just took both of them. Yeah, I, I think they're both. That, I, I think they're both <laughs> phenomenally talented individuals, but at the same time, um, they can give you a little bit of a uh, both. I think Blacknell can get down the field a little bit more. He's got a little bit more of experience. So um, you know, it's just uh, there's question marks there, but I think there's good question marks there. For sure. And again, going back to the 10 personnel a little bit, it's going to be really difficult to take one of your best players off the field. I mean, just intuitively, it's just not a good idea in in Mike Kosicki. What I think perhaps also lends 
to that idea, though, in addition to having four quality wide receivers, is the fact that they're better up front. So now you can survive with just five guys. And even if you're handing the ball off to Saquon Barkley, we saw how many times and dance out of trouble in the backfield when they were giving up guys just shooting through gaps a year ago. But right now, that should be a better unit. You can perhaps run with them. And I, I know we've talked about this before, that they're looking to drop Mike Kosicki's uh, snaps from a year ago, where again, he was really an Ironman to the point where, you know, at 88% of all offensive snaps, which is, you know, the highest among uh, skill position guys, that he was losing weight at the end of the year. Like, that's how much he was putting himself through. And he'll be better prepared this year, but I don't think you still want a guy of his caliber playing almost 90% of all snaps when yeah. you're looking to play perhaps 14, 15 games. Yeah, and I don't know if that comes down to the receivers. I think uh, 14 if, games, if, if, Nick, if Nick Bowers can get healthy, I think that can go a long way in terms of him being a blocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Holland had a great spring they're expecting a little bit out of a little bit more out of him this year so that may go back to the tight ends but you've you've certainly got the ability to play four wide um and you mentioned being stronger up front does that uh lend itself to more going down in the field which of course lends itself to more substitutions uh you know from at the x and 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 the uh the z so i think they've got an opportunity to move the ball down the field, get these guys in a little bit more. And I think in the second year of the offense, you know a little bit more what to expect. These guys know a little bit more what to expect. And I think it's it, it's going to flush. I think the, the question marks come a little bit lower in the pecking order. Irvin Charles, talented kid, needs to get it together in, in, in some other areas. Um, you know, does he get lost in the shuffle? Does Brandon Polk get lost in the shuffle? Is there enough room for K.J. Hamler to play if he's mm-hmm. healthy? I think those are where the the the, the <laughs> the bad question marks, I guess you would say, well, those were they they come into play, right? But even then, you're talking about guys fifth, sixth, you know, beyond then seventh and down the depth chart. So you know, again, that's it started with the depth concern. Perhaps if you lose two guys, who steps in to fill that role? What helps them is not only the versatility, which was the biggest aid for the offensive line a year ago, a position that really got hurt by injury, um, but also, you know, say you have one guy go down, you're going to need to dip into that rotation because, as you mentioned, you know, people might not have noticed, but when you saw a guy step off the field, it was most often after those long go routes or deep balls that were incomplete, had penalties, what have you, and then they'd get a breather and then come back in. So it's an interesting, I think, um, undersold or under-discussed area on this team because you just see so many returners and be like, oh, okay, they'll be fine. But, you know, again, a couple of injuries here or perhaps they spread it out a little bit more um, could really bring this more into the spotlight as, as the season goes on. Yeah, and, and simple questions like who's going to have the most catches or, or yards or anything like that. Yeah. It's, it's so tough to forecast right now. Like last year it was Chris Godwin. No question. Like that was yeah. going to be the guy. No question about it. So do you turn to Blacknell? Do you turn to Hamilton who who has put up uh, – is probably going to be, I believe, the all-time leader in catches before he leaves Penn State. Um, is he going to be the guy that moves the sticks or is he going to be a guy that maybe goes a little bit further than his previous role? I, I think that you've got some good problems there. And then again, DeAndre Tompkins, you know, to wrap up this discussion, midway through last season prior to Ohio State when he got hurt, you know, he has a big long touchdown against Maryland. He's got the best yards per catch average on the team. He's a guy you're talking about as a breakout candidate, then gets hurt, and that coincides with Blacknall coming back, who then, you know, gets a starting spot back. And just runs with it for the rest of the season, so to speak. Again, it wasn't really until the Big Ten Championship that he he showed up. Yeah, but. and he needs to be more consistent, I think. Yes. I, I yeah. think that's the big thing when you're talking about uh, getting uh, Godwin replaced. I think Blacknell's got to be more consistent. Juwan Johnson's got to step into that. We don't know if he can be as consistent. So consistency is the number one thing that comes with that. And then beyond that, when you can meld consistency into production across the board, I think you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
So last week we debuted a mailbag segment where we took your questions and answered them here at the very end of the pod. Uh, this was a, a better week. I want to give a shout out to uh, <laughs> some people who threw in some late uh, additions and questions. So we'll get rolling. We have a couple here and that'll wrap up the fifth edition Alliance 24-7 podcast. True freshman, who could play this season? Of course, you know, my gut says the early enrollees. Any guys stepping in over the summer who could see some time come September, October? You know, just just looking over the the list, I I don't see a ton. I I think this is a group that's probably a developmental group. Uh, Tariq Castro-Fields, maybe uh, Donovan Johnson, maybe one of the corners with John Reed going down, you have the opportunity Mm -hmm. to play because those guys can play on special teams, obviously. Um, Ellis Brooks uh, is is probably the most game-ready linebacker they have coming into the program in this class. Um, and, and you know the problems that they've had uh, keeping guys healthy at that position, so that's a possibility. C.J. Thorpe, I think, is talented enough. Eter Matos, yes. is, I think, is talented enough. I don't think you need them this year, and I think another year of development. C.J. Thorpe maybe going down in weight. Uh, Matos going up in weight could could, could do them a, a good favor. Um, I don't I don't look past Lamont Wade and, and possibly Michael Miranda as those guys. Uh, we talked about KJ Hamler a little bit earlier, but beyond that, I don't I don't really see this being an instant impact class. Not that that's a, a bad thing, you know. Right. I think these some of these guys you look at Des Holmes and and Matos and Thorpe and um, Fred Hansard has some work to do on it. You know, these guys can get their bodies in shape and get them uh, rolling around by the time they're sh- they're redshirt freshmen, like guys like Sharif Miller and Buck Holtz mm-hmm. did. And, you know, you can sort of slow that. Uh, Kevin Givens. Yeah, Givens. So you can sort of slow that process happening. I, I, th- I think you're okay there. I don't think you need a guy to step in. And, and you look at the roster right now, not a ton of holes. Um, no, and that's the biggest thing, too. As much as it might be a developmental class, I think that was – you know, kept in mind with we're going to have a lot of guys coming back, and right now there's no need to rush them. Of course, competition plays out, and they are in a spot. Great for them. Uh, one early enrollee who really did not get to talk about much this spring, you know, Hamler was hurt. Miranda had a great spring. Lamont Wade as well. Braylon Faison Walden um, was at the team signing, autograph signing for the baseball game on Saturday. Uh, he is no longer in a sling, and I think that's a guy you mentioned special teams who can come in and contribute, you know, six one, just above 200 pounds. He's a guy who's got great athleticism for the position, covered a lot of range, and, and I think picked up his interest late in his recruitment. Uh, could could make an impact. You know, you might not see him again unless <laughs> linebackers take, has so many injuries uh, as it did a year ago. But again, a guy who could step in and perhaps doesn't take that red shirt because you know he, he plays so well in that third phase, especially. Yeah, a guy that when you look at the position, you've got Farmer, you've got Jarvis Miller, even Manny Bowen can play the Sam. Mm-hmm. So you've got guys in front of him that uh, you know aren't going to need him to step in. But yeah, athletically. From a football standpoint, there's a kid that loves to hit, and you can always use those guys on special teams. So he's got the opportunity there. Um, I look back to, and this is a completely different uh, situation, position, whatnot, but Jordan Lucas came in as a guy that was physically, uh, he could he could mix it up, he could get in, and he played special teams as a freshman. Um, you know, is, is, is Braylon Faison Walden going to be one of those guys? I don't know, but physically I think he can get in there and mix it up and play special teams if he needs to. I'd redshirt him possibly. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think there's a ton of question to that, especially coming off the shoulder injury. But, uh, yeah, I, I he's a guy that is in that mid range that could, that could come in and, and hit somebody and you love those guys. Right. And that could, you know, caught my eye again on Saturday at the, um, mini junior day. It's just some guy who we had seen in a sling and was hurt and sidelined that look good, you know, for now, I don't know what he, step he is in his recovery process but obviously he's made some strides second question for the mailbag uh looking back uh, a recruit that penn state missed on that could have been quote program changing end quote in one direction or another for better or worse uh a guy who's you know geographically i'm a connecticut native this was one of the bigger stars to come out of connecticut in the last five years 
He's now at Clemson. Uh, my mind jumps to Christian Wilkins. You're going to open some wounds with some readers because this is one that that that, that hurt. Uh, you know, a lot of people expected Wilkins to pick Penn State, myself included. Uh, you know, Penn State got a call the day before his decision from his mom's telling him when they are telling the staff when they would call him. Uh, excuse me, when when he would call the staff uh, the next day, and they thought that meant a commitment was coming. Obviously, it did not happen. He went to Clemson, uh, has torn it up at Clemson. I mean, he's, he's a, just a phenomenal player. Probably a top 10, top 5. I'm not sure if I've seen the mocks for next year. Going to come out early, be a top 10, top 5 guy. You put Christian Wilkins in the middle of this Penn State defense, I think that's <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Um, you know, he's he's just uh, the total package. He's a guy that can – he rushes off the edge at uh, 315 pounds. He's, I think he's just a phenomenal player. And if you look back over the last couple of years, you think there's one recruit to plug in over the, at Penn State for the last couple of years. It's Wilkins, and I think that's going to hurt some people inside. But, man – He's he's lived up to the hype. Uh, was a phenomenal pl- uh, player. He was he was very tough to cover as as a high school prospect. But yeah, I mean, you saw it down at the Under Armour game. He could stick with them even though he was playing Connecticut competition. No offense, no, he's playing no, Connecticut totally. competition. <laughs> he's from Massachusetts, but he was able to stick with the big boys, and I think he 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 parlayed that phenomenal career at Clemson and, and Penn State fans would love to have him. Right. Another guy, when you look at the holes on the team, we mentioned there's not a ton, but that safety spot is open. Jordan Whitehead's a guy that uh, yeah. at Pitt, uh, I think he's Pitt's probably best player in defense. And, uh, you know, Penn State fans w- would love to have him. They got him on campus late. Uh, he even told some players he was coming to Penn State. Uh, that's neither here nor there at, at this point. But Just pick, part of the process. Yeah, Pick Pitt um, has had some some trouble with injuries, but I think his it has still has a very bright, bright future with Pitt, and but you'd love to see him beside Marcus Allen this year, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question comes with Justin Fields, crown jewel of this current class. His current status is, of course, he's you know perhaps had the uh, hottest recruitment uh, as of late in the last couple of months. Guy is now a five star for us in composite. Yeah, and he's being recruited like a five star, and that's yeah. I think that's the thing that comes down to Penn State. To their credit, got him in camp, saw him, offered early, made him a priority, made him their number one quarterback target for a reason, and it's shown. He's just flown up the rankings. Uh, a lot of people saying Cam Newton clone. He's obviously not as big as Cam, but no. uh, 6'3", Few 221. Are. Yeah, yeah, 6'3", 221. He's big enough, and no doubt about it. Um, great arm, just has a, a little bit of everything. Joe Moorhead, Josh Gaddis were down there last week to see his spring game. I believe three touchdown passes and a touchdown run and two quarters of play. Mm-hmm. The kid just he he does it all, and that's why you've got Alabama, you've got Auburn, Georgia was in the house last week, LSU was there, Florida, Florida State, just anybody that you can name uh, down there is coming after him with good reason. Um, you know, I think that 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 he is taking a step back. Uh, you know, he still says he's fully committed to Penn State, but taking a step back, um, checking out those options just in case something were to happen. I don't think it's any secret that Joe Moorhead's name's been thrown around as a potential head coach next year. Yeah, um, he's running the offense. He's what makes this offense so appealing. And, and though Penn State will stick with that that type of offense, whether Joe is is here or not next year, I think there are question marks around that. So I think he's doing his due diligence, staying uh, staying keeping an eye on Florida, keeping an eye on Florida State. Alabama's obviously always going to be a team that's there, and, and mm-hmm. Georgia as well. As well. So, uh, you know, remains committed to Penn State, and they're going to try and get him up as much as they can. That distance is is tough, but it's not uh, something that they can't overcome in the long run. Uh, you know, if if you were putting on if you were putting on me now, whether he sticks or not. I, you know, I'm inclined to believe that he sticks, but he is definitely checking out those other options and and seeing if they are, uh, you know, potential fallbacks. I would probably call them. Right. Yeah, and and good for him for a guy who's had so much success. 
uh, and had so much interest. It's entirely deserved. A guy who shot up the rankings recently, very talented, you know, perhaps goes into a place like Florida that needs a quarterback and, and could start, you know, as a true freshman. Yeah, you never Flo- know. Florida's the one school that, that really, if you look at their depth chart, I think he can see himself going there and playing as a freshman. Now, Penn State doesn't want him to visit these places. <laughs> let's not, let's no, not get me wrong. No, no, they, no. They, they, they do, do not, not like their commits visiting other places, but, you know, Fields is a special player. He's being recruited as such, and, you know, he, he's a tremendous, uh, a tremendous addition to the commitment list, and and, you know, everybody would love to keep him. Now, if he were to come to Penn State, it's very likely he'd be throwing to Justin Shorter, uh, who had a big honor. And, and I want to wrap this up because I think sometimes, you know, in this profession, we get questions asked about, like, okay, what's the best part of your job? And obviously, it's, you know, I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. But something that people probably don't know is that when it comes to making these calls, you have a very special part of the process in terms of who gets selected to the yeah, yeah, we, we, he he got a, he got a, uh, selected for the U.S. Army All American Bowl a couple weeks ago, and I've you know at twenty four seven Sports we we partner with the Army Bowl and we invite kids and things like that, and and Justin has been he's been a pleasure to cover since the start. I mean he's just a, a great kid. Um, you know we initially had him ranked I think in the one fifties or something like that, and I've been saying for months and months and months that that's going to come up. I think he's in the thirties right now. With we still has more potential to rise. Um, it was at the Under Armour camp all over the weekend. He got the Under Armour um, uh, All American Bowl invite, so now he has his pick of the litter in terms of the elite uh, All Star games and what to pick. But yeah, going back a couple of weeks, got to invite him to the U.S. Army Bowl and to see a kid with with the pedigree that he has, with all the offers that he has, just rendered speechless when you get an opportunity like that it's sort of you know it's 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 one of the best parts of the job i invited connor mcgovern last year uh his reaction was a little different he was all right let's do it whatever whatever <laughs> he's probably wearing shorts at the time or whatnot but no i mean it's just uh it's just a great part of the job and uh you know, uh, shorter is a guy that can be an army all-american he'd be an under Armour all-american the important thing for penn state this kid is a stud. I mean, he's he's six four, two twenty. Ran a four five at the Nike Combine. I'm not sure if he tested at the Under Armour Combine, but he was one of the fastest guys there. Just the total package when you're talking wide receivers, and and to to add to that, he's got a good GPA. He's 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 a community guy. I think uh, he, he was really the total package and probably the best re- receiver that has come along in the James Franklin area in terms of being a. a, a prospect with potential shorter is currently number 46 uh, overall in the composite rankings ninth best wide receiver and top recruit in the state of new jersey uh as for my answer to the best part about this job you might not know i think it's doing the podcast in your basement i think this is <laughs> this is taking the cake through my uh eight eight months or so now here yeah i mean it's it is developed into a five-star podcast according to itunes which you should continue to give it five so stars matter i don't know if you noticed yeah that they, they do in recruiting and podcast stars matter um yeah, we thank everybody for listening, and uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a great ride. We will continue weekly uh, until you go on vacation, and then back during the year, uh, of course, we'll be we'll be weekly as well. Georgia State week coming up next week. Can't wait. Get hype. Can't new coach in Georgia State. Uh, Trent Miles is out, uh, so that changes things with the camp sequence. He, he saw Penn State's going to go down to Mercer for their Georgia camp this year, uh, their satellite camp this year. But yeah, new coach at Georgia State will be interesting to see if they can improve because they. they we're not very good last year. Yeah, and I don't think they're going to be too good. But hey, uh, stay tuned. We'll see you next week.